In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. I'm trying to do something from the movie for each of the new uh, intros, and for some of them it's really easy, like right. Recession Troopers, Do You Want to Know More, for uh, it, but for this it's just like, it's just the score that everyone right. knows. Right, <laughs> you just need to say that one no, it's, oh, Inception, yeah, okay. Yeah. alright, we're talking about Inception. Yeah, yeah. And we're talking about Inception uh, with Sheena Santamaria, so thank you Sheena so much for joining me. Yes, thank you for having me, I'm I like excited. that you waved. <laughs> <laughs> I know you can't see it, but I'm very excited. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Sheena says this is the first podcast she's ever been on, and that's super exciting for me. Yeah, I'm very honored. An ideal remake exclusive. Yes. So far. Yes, this is my podcast debut. <laughs> do you listen to podcasts at all? I do, yeah, yeah. Uh, I listen to true crime podcasts, but I'm not like really into it. It's like if I see, oh, hey, people are talking about this. I'll check it out. So I listened to Serial. That was intense. And then I recently listened to Dirty John. And that's really good. keeps coming up. Yeah, it's crazy. Because it's set in Orange County, where I'm from. So Uh, that was a little weird, though, because they would talk about locations. And I would think to myself, oh, I go there. (laughs) (laughs) That's weird. But yeah, it's a great podcast. Right before you got here, I was eating dinner, and I watched the very first episode of American Vandal. Mm, okay. Which How- had been recommended to me a bunch, and I'm like, all right, fine, I'm I sitting here, I need to watch something. American Vandal, great! <laughs> and it was, yeah. I, would pro- I will probably enjoy this show, so I'm going to sit down and watch the rest of it. Do it, do it. Except for season three of Serial? I am. Uh, again, it's just like with people say it so often, then I'll actually check it out. So if a lot of people say, hey, check out season three, I'll look into it. Yeah. They probably will. Yeah, probably. it's, it's yeah. serial and everyone's just going to watch it anyway. <laughs> Listen to it anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. When was the first time you saw the movie Inception? I saw it, I think, right when it came out in theaters. Mm-hmm. I was really excited to see it. I remember doing research for the podcast. I remember doing research for the podcast. I did research for the podcast, uh, and I didn't realize that it only came out eight years ago. Yeah. <laughs> In my brain, I'm like, oh, it's 10, maybe 12 years ago. But I mean, that's not a huge difference, but it's this is definitely the most recent of movies, with the exception of Man of Steel that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. And this was one of those movies, I very, very rarely see a movie twice in theaters, but I distinctly remember seeing this movie twice in theaters because I saw Inception with my friends on my own. And then I went back to go visit my family because, like, I was in college or something at the time. And because this came out in 2010, I was mm-hmm. senior year of college or I just finished college or something. And my parents were like, let's go see a movie. Okay. <laughs> we're going to go see Inception. Okay. Come with. Okay. You know, and that's yeah. what happened. I do that all the time now. I see movies multiple times in theaters. Not because necessarily it's good, but I'll go with a friend, I'll Mm -hmm. go with my family, I'll go with my boyfriend, and before I know it, I've seen Crazy Rich Asians, I think, three or four times in theaters. I still need to see Crazy Rich Asians. Well, a lot of my cast is from Crazy (laughs) Rich Asians, so I'll basically tell you what it's about. I'm excited. I vaguely know what it's about, but I'm excited to find out more. (laughs) Yes, it's in the name. Uh, but yeah. My funny Crazy Rich Asian story is uh, one of my clients who I just do basic computer work got back from vacation and was having me go through all of his and his wife's pictures. And mm-hmm. one of the places they went to 
was South Korea. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so, like, we have that. We have. He has that big hotel with, like, just the giant ship across the top. Oh, wait, in Singapore. Singapore. I'm sorry. He went to South no Korea. Worries, he went yeah. to Singapore. He went to... Yeah, usually you go to multiple countries, so that's totally yeah. fair. Uh, I, I don't remember where things are that are too fancy for me. <laughs> but yeah, so and Singapore. in Singapore, he, mm-hmm. like, he had the, the hotel with the giant ship on the top, and I remember just looking at it and just getting so angry, like, no one needs this! This is too <laughs> fancy! And yeah. then, within a week, the first trailer for Crazy Rich Asians dropped, mm. and I was like, that's it! That's the hotel! Yeah, I've never been outside of the airport in Singapore, but the airport itself is amazing and worth the trip. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, they have Why? A, a butterfly garden, I think an IMAX theater. They have everything at the airport. What? Yeah, it's. I would live there if I could. How? They spend a lot of money. It's the number one airport in the world. Is it? Yes. Wow. Because of the amenities. I mean, clearly. And, yeah. But I was going to say, I'm not aware of what Singapore's exports are that it's such a wealthy country that it can do that. But if it's the number one airport in the world, then the amenity is the airport. Yeah, I, I think because, uh, well, I don't know if you want to get into this. So uh, they, I think investment is where they make a lot of their money. Cause, That's good. Yeah, Singapore, South Korea, Hong Kong, and Taiwan are known as the Four Tigers, where they had a lot of economic development interesting so yes hong kong singapore were the two that have if i remember correctly total free what do you call it just like no borders Mm -hmm. there's no restrictions whatsoever so i think that's what makes them very wealthy ah okay yeah cool that makes sense it does yeah i like stuff like that i'm a bookkeeper i like finding out financial information and stuff like that yeah. We can say more about it later we're here to talk about inception inception that's right (laughs) the uh (laughs) <laughs> okay i have one thing real quick though sure. about so when i first heard about inception i actually thought it was a live action remake of a 2006 anime film i saw called inception no called paprika but it was really similar where you enter people's dreams and then things go bad ah. so i was watching i remember watching the trailer for inception and going oh is this the live action remake of paprika it's not but Highly but that's interesting. Yeah. Do you think Christopher Nolan and his brother saw Paprika and were like, we have an idea? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they said they were influenced by that film. It's really, really good. So I highly recommend it if you enjoy Inception. Ah, well, good. Because Inception is the Christopher nolan of Christopher Nolan movies. Oh, definitely. And so, like, one of the first things to talk about is it will be a, no matter who else does it, it will be a drastically different movie. Mm-hmm. But this movie, even though it's, like, less than 10 years old, has been on my list of movies to remake for a while, partly because it's always annoyed me a little bit, because... (laughs) What about it? (laughs) It's a movie about dreams, and it is nothing like any dream I've ever had in my entire life, ever. Okay. I, in my defense, I've never had some of the the classic dreams that people Mm -hmm. have. I've had some of them. Like, I've had the... Naked in class. I've had the forgot my lines before a big play. Ooh, yeah. I've had the dream where I'm at work. <laughs> uh, Those are the worst. I had a dream once that I got up for school, got ready for school, and then I actually woke up. Oh, Because <laughs> I have no. to redo this. And, I, yeah, I had to. But I've never had the flying dream. Oh, that's unfortunate. I agree. That's a, that's a good one to have. I bet. It sounds nice. <laughs> I've had a falling dream. 
where I literally, I was a kid, so I like rolled out of bed and I had the falling dream and then I woke up mid-fall. So I have a falling dream that ended with me hitting the ground. (laughs) Oh, that's actually, that's pretty scary actually. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sam looks really frightened right now. (laughs) Um, But I've never had a lucid dream either. Is that when you can tell you're dreaming? Yeah, and you oh, kind of I've... control it and manipulate the world around you. Ooh, I've had that, but that only lasts for about 10 seconds, and then I actually wake up. Yeah, I mean, I am able to sometimes realize I'm in a dream, but that means I'm waking up. Mm, yeah, I, I actually like that feeling, because then I have 10 seconds to try to do whatever I want. I usually don't succeed, but I like the idea that I have the opportunity. My problem is I always realize I'm in a dream, but I'm still trying to do whatever it is I was trying to do in the dream. So, like, (laughs) I still have to finish painting this yak. Right. Because my dreams are batshit crazy. They make no sense. Like, the joke that I use is, like, Inception isn't about dreams. Not one of those people wrote a guinea pig to work. Right. Which is a honest-to-God dream I've had. (laughs) <laughs> like how th- that this is the thing that annoys you is that you know what i want more yaks in inception I want more dream craziness because it basically feels like an action movie now to the movie's credit that's a point of the movie because there's that point where mal says doesn't the world of the dreams feel exactly like the real world where you're getting chased by faceless organizations and this that and the other thing and like the way they have it set up in that yeah that's the same Mm-hmm. after the fact there is no doubt what's real and what's not but that's not what matters in the dream you're riding a guinea pig to work but that feels real man you gotta watch paprika you'd really like it i probably would <laughs> but like there's a moment when um tom hardy's character goes he says uh to joseph gordon lev is like oh love you've got to dream bigger or something and he like just gets a bigger gun and i'm oh, like yeah, do like- you materialize that gun can, is that a thing you guys can do? Can you make things happen because it's a dream and you can just, like, appear a thing? And it never comes up again, and that's what I wanted the movie to be. That one line mm. shatters the movie for me, and because I want it to be that line forever. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Because, I, I mean, I think Ellen Page's character, she's actively building mm-hmm. at one point. I would like to see more of that. I, I agree with that as well. Because... Especially if the basic premise of this movie is we've reached a point where everyone has lucid dreams or we step into a world where it is a lucid dream now. We're controlling it. Cool. It's a lucid dream. Do whatever you want. Right? You don't want to just walk around a normal city and... uh... And explode fruit carts? (laughs) Yeah. No. That's not not what you're going to be spending your dream time doing. I don't want to walk towards uh, a 90 degree angle in the world and all of a sudden I'm now walking another way. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's normal to you. Yeah. It's a great visual (laughs) component, but I'm like, cool. I'm not going to do that in a dream. That does nothing for me. Right, right. I want to have a flying dream. No, that's... That's, Not one of the people yeah. in this movie. They're like desperately running to try to get away from things. And you're like, you're in a dream. That's. I think that is also one part of it too, where like they can feel pain. Uh-huh. I didn't like that. I think that's a big part of dreams is that you can get punched in the face and you just got punched, but you don't feel it. So yeah. I thought that was an interesting. Unless you have take. a real life injury. Because have you ever had a dream where like you actually have hurt your arm or you actually have a thing and in your dream you can kind of feel that pain? Oh, I haven't, but I guess that makes sense. I've definitely done that. Okay. But um, when I was 16, we went to Europe, and like in Italy, I was like, I'm going to ride this moped, and I got in a bad accident, and I tore up my arm. Ooh. It was bad, but like 
I didn't really sleep. I was like in and out of like these like really low level bad dreams. And I was just like, oh, pain. That's fun. <laughs> oh, no. Why are your dreams so... My dreams are know. not good. Yeah, they're <laughs> they're not good. <laughs> I don't have good dreams. <laughs> and that's well, why this movie irks me. <laughs> that's why Sam hates Inception. Uh, I'm just kidding. You don't hate it. I... Mm. <laughs> Is that why we're remaking it? I mean, it's the reason why we're remaking it. I don't hate it because I think it's a super fun idea and I'm glad this movie exists. But on the other hand... <laughs> I just want more Hans Zimmer and everything. Yeah. Oh, that's what I didn't even think to do. I didn't think to redo uh composer. Thank you. I mean, I I mean, it, I don't want to remake that component. I think it's just Hans Zimmer. So, I've talked a little bit about like kind of my goal for the movie, but what what do you think about Inception? Like, you saw it in theaters when mm-hmm. it first came out and you didn't rewatch it until recently. What are some things about the movie that you thought were true, but then you rewatched the movie and you were like, oh, wait, that, or that you'd forgotten about? So interestingly enough, when I rewatched it, I thought, wow, I, I remember I really liked this movie because I remembered most of the details. I liked the plot. The story's great. What irked me was that it's a bunch of white dudes. Sure. To me, that was, I remember thinking that too back in 2010. So I want to remake the cast. Yeah. on board for that for a movie that's like global in its span right i mean with the exception of it takes place on a flight from sydney to los angeles but they like they're running around different areas of the world for different i think they filmed in six different countries Mm -hmm. but why is everyone's (laughs) white why is 99 percent of your cast white it's a good question. I mean, there. I love all these actors. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but let's get some new, yeah. fresh faces well, in the there. Well, the problem is that Christopher Nolan doesn't see color. Literally, he won't see them. They can't oh. come in. He will. He will not see them. I'm trying to think of other. It's not a good joke. I'll be over here. <laughs> I mean, all of the Dark Knight Batman movies. Yeah, with the oh, exception sure. of Morgan Freeman. Yeah. yeah. And uh, well, Marion Cotillard's French. That's white. Yeah, it's super white. <laughs> it's real white. Um, There's something wrong with being French. It's just, yeah. Yeah. What other Christopher Nolan movies are there? There's Memento. That was the... Real white. <laughs> Memento, uh, Dark Knight movies. Interstellar. Dunkirk. But, I mean, that's historically accurate, so a lot of people are white. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't... That's fine. But that movie was not described as fun to me, so I, I was, like, not really interested. Yeah, it's... You have to be in the mood to watch it. I saw yeah. it in IMAX, and it, I felt like I was in Dunkirk. I got a screener of it, and I'm just like, um... Nah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's valid. Yeah, I'm sorry. But, yeah, a lot of... Now that I think... Yeah, Interstellar also... That was my critique of that movie, too, was that... Really, this is Earth's greatest... Future. Yeah, future greatest team. Okay. Yeah, it's just... Yeah. Yeah, I th- but I think Jeffrey Wright is... Is he in that? In the Interstellar? Uh, yeah. He was the dude who they go back up to the ship and he's, he's like, like, it's been seven I've been years. waiting for <laughs> ten years. <laughs> ten years. Yeah, and he's like, great. After one, I would have gone home. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Good good luck, y'all. Uh, he He's in Westworld. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. great. You seemed confused for. No, I, I'm bad with names, but as oh, soon as no, you said no. that guy from Westworld, I'm like, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that guy, that guy, totally, <laughs> really bad with names. <laughs> like, oh good. <laughs> like, like I've literally had people come on this show and they say, oh yeah, no, you use this person's name in an episode, and I'm like, I don't remember who they are, right? Or anything about them? I'm sorry. But when you get details, you're like, oh right, right, right that person. 
No. <laughs> Sam is uh, shaking his head. <laughs> 50-50. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Okay, that's fine. Uh, but, okay, so cast aside, let's talk about, like, what is the essence of the movie? Like, what's it, what are some aspects of the movie that you found particularly compelling or not so much? I like the family aspect mm-hmm. in which Leonardo DiCaprio's character is trying so hard to be reunited with his children. Mm-hmm. That, to me, was really compelling. And I wanted to somehow keep that, but I'm also willing to remake what family dynamic is there. I think that's fair. And, um, okay. So that, that's a good plot. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'll settle for that. <laughs> You'll settle? I don't no, want well, you to I, just Well, settle. no, I mean, like, I'm trying to think of how to word this question. Oh, okay. And... Maybe say one more time and... No, because no, because you answered my question perfectly. I now want to have a follow up question, and uh. I can't figure out how to word it. That's a that's a plot component, but part of what makes this movie this movie are a lot of the world building, and like the like almost the entirety of Act One is so. Here's the way things work. Mm-hmm. Other than the fact that they're just like going to dreams, were there any aspects of that that you found interesting? Did you like the the maze design did you like the oh yeah i really like the the totem the totem thank you the oh, different yeah. levels yeah i i liked all that i mean again i i liked the plot and the story a lot it was just the cast that i wanted to if you had a totem what would it be oh i should have thought of this ahead of time i just thought of the question now so i also oh. don't have an answer to it can we come back to that we can because i i want to have a good answer and i'm trying to think i'll, I'll think of something good the uh the totems were something that I found super interesting because it's something of significance to each person. And it, I found it interesting to see what each of them did. Like the fact that Joseph Gordon-Levitt had a loaded die, mm-hmm. I thought was fascinating because I wanted to know more about like, and it's a lot because that's a whole long aspect of, is he a gambler? Why does he have a loaded die? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Ellen Page with the Chess rook. piece? Uh, was Knight? it a rook or a bishop? I think it was a bishop. I think you're right. Yeah, a bishop for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I'm, but a chess I made piece. Sense. A chess piece. That makes sense. She's Ivy League, I get that. Or strategy, right? Yeah. yeah. And then Leonardo DiCaprio had the top, but that was Mal's. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what his used to be, but I wanted to know what everyone's was. Like, I wanted there to be a moment where they, like, they have a really bad training session, they get out of the dream, and everyone, like, does their own thing. And I kind of wanted to see a glimpse of what everyone's was. Oh, that would have been really cool. Can we add that? Yes. <laughs> All right, perfect. Because I think that that, just kind of figuring out what every character's totem is, tells you so much about that character. Oh, of course. I would imagine. And that's why for me, I, I said, let's table this question because I want to think of something that's meaningful to me. Go I ahead. can come up with something that's super nerdy that <laughs> would also work for me. So I've played a bunch of like tabletop card games. Like I was a regional champion at Yu-Gi-Oh! when I was like, Oh, Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. So I've played that for a while. And I've also played a lot of Magic the Gathering. Okay. And one of the things you do when you play these games is you have cards and sleeves. And I was thinking a really clever totem would be if I had... So you take the card and you turn it around on the sleeve so you could only see the back of the card. Mm-hmm. And so if I take the card out, I can see what that card is, but no one else would know what that card is. All they'd be able to do is see the back if I held it up. Ooh, that's interesting because I was thinking of something with a card or like a a red envelope and you open mm-hmm. the envelope and you only see the message. Uh-huh. So only yeah. you know what it would be. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I was thinking ma- a Mahjong tile of sorts, but I also don't know which Mahjong tile I would use. I also don't know enough about Mahjong to be able to say, this yeah. is my tile. 
Huh. All right. Yeah. Something like that. And that may not necessarily work because it's someone could just take and go, all right, I know what your card is. Oh, uh, yeah. I think, it, I think the totem had to be related to physics too, right? That was a, cause a loaded die and then she, uh, Ellen Page tipped over the bishop. I assume well, that. Well, those in- were very physical things. They just said it's just something you know. I mean, theoretically, oh, okay. it could even be uh, the card, I don't know. Like Ace of Spades. Grandmaster Samurai, Ace of Spades, whatever you want to call it. And you see, but then like if you get it at the end, there's something written at the bottom and only you know that's there. So it's like a multi-level. Okay. But I also, why am I going into so much detail about the totem thing? Because that's that defines <laughs> the character. That's true, that's true. I think because they also mentioned uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character said that you couldn't use a coin because it was too light. Did he say that? I, I'm pretty sure he said that. That's I why that they. Entirely. That's why it was such a big deal that things were weighted or it was a physical action. Oh, interesting. But I like our creative spin on it, which is you only know what that card or whatever says. Yeah, so I mean, it has to be something small enough to fit in your pocket. I have no idea where Ellen Page was carrying that chest piece <laughs> the rest of the movie. Right. Because girl pants. Right, yeah. There's never enough pocket yeah but like that like that i find stuff like that interesting but okay so i want to keep the totem aspect Mm -hmm. i'm even but the thing that i might throw away is the different levels of dreams that's the part that never really made sense to me because it's going to sleep inside of a dream Mm -hmm. i get it it's compelling for the movie and you're making your way down levels but they keep it Uh, yeah i get it i think they try to heighten the stakes by saying you're going deeper and deeper but it could also to me it could be flat and it's like oh we're just going into a different dream and you're just going to a through a different door in the hallway instead of right. going down because that's what dreams are for me like i'm in my living room and then i open a door and all of a sudden i'm at a school i open another door i'm at this cake shop i went to once when i was eight yeah i i think the reason why they have those different levels is because different people are dreaming that level they are i right? agree that's so, and that's true so that's why they needed the depth yeah because the person who can't go into the next level is the person whose dream they are currently in so yusuf is still at level one because that's his dream that he populated that's why it's raining because he had to pee right too many free martinis yep uh or no champagne eh, alcohol eh. he drank <laughs> yeah he drank uh the second level just in the hotel joseph gordon levitt has to be in charge because that's his dream right but the person populating each dream is um robert fisher each time it's always his little his mental projections right i think i remember when this movie came out this is what drove people crazy they they didn't understand the movie right I, even after recently rewatching it i don't think i completely understand what's happening either but i just go along with it i think i get it but i'm wrong <laughs> but I'm not right. Yeah, I'm trying my best. Yeah, we, we all are, Sam. We all are. I The only reason why I think they'd go deeper, deeper, deeper is because that way they're able to end up at the subconscious. Mm. Which is the that kind of like that super dreamscape, matrixy, build your own world right. kind of situation. And the the only thing with levels is I don't like them. They I don't think they make sense and I don't think they enhance the story at all. They just obfuscate it more. But the only thing that it gives you is it gives you access, a a simple path towards the subconscious, which I do find interesting. But the subconscious, that level, the level where you're able to create your own world and build everything around it, that's what I kind of think should be the dream anyway. Because you're building your own world, you're living there, whatever. It's just how my, 
my change to the movie Inception would be it's it's the track from a lucid dream to a non-lucid dream. Because a lucid dream, you're in full control. You're shaping the world around you, I assume. I hear they're nice. I've never had it. <laughs> On the other hand, the far other scope is it's a dream on rails basically you're kind of following the path first person perspective or third person perspective because you can have both but you're kind of like going through the path the the dream has laid out for you and what i find more interesting is less we're going into different levels of the dream okay we're on the city streets we're in a hotel we're at an ice fortress Mm -hmm. and i think it's more you're kind of following the rules of the dream versus you're able to kind of have your own mental control. So you would like to see the characters be able, like kind of like we talked about earlier, take control of the dream, build more things, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Go wild because it's a dream. You're not bound by the laws of physics. So why should they be here? But let's say someone gets hurt. Someone gets distracted. They start going on rails through the logic of the dream and what they're supposed to be doing. If someone dies, they go completely blank and they're just like going through the motions and doing the dream. Because they're not right. necessarily dead. They're just right. no longer in control of their own subconscious. Is that Limbo? The, the it, one at the very bottom? Yeah, right? Where yeah. you completely lose your sense of reality. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's what they said was Limbo. The, okay. Like, yeah. like the, the beach at the end. Right, right. Where uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and... Um, Ken Watanabe, right? I was going to say Marion Cotillard, but yes. Where Leonardo DiCaprio and Marion Cotillard built the city. Oh, and oh, oh, got it. Ken okay. Watanabe got stuck at the very end. Right, right, right. First of all, Ken Watanabe's great. Oh, like, I love him. He's, it, it's a tough, it's a toss up between him and Tom Hardy for best character in this movie, but Ken Watanabe's so good. Yeah, I when I was trying to come up with casting alternatives, I had a hard time with both of them. Yeah. I, I didn't want to recast. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> I was like, Ken Watanabe would still be really good at this role. It was he he was the role that I had toughest he was the <laughs> The role Ken Watanabe played was the one that I had the toughest time recasting. And for me, mine was uh, Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. So oh, that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. We were watching this movie, I was watching it with my friend Caitlin and she was like, oh, yeah, no, he's great. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but he's still a bad guy. And she was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, he's a billionaire who can manipulate the government and break laws. He's still a bad guy. The fact that he wants to go on a little adventure and is awesome at it doesn't change the fact that he's a bad guy. That he's literally committing corporate espionage right now. Mm-hmm. Whatever he tells them, like, they'll control the world's power source. No, 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 they're your biggest competitor. Yeah, So, so you- you'll control. Exactly. I mean, I did think it was a boss move when he just bought the airline. That was <laughs> so boss. I was like, I, I want to do that. I right? want to just buy this airline. It's It seems simpler. Yeah. It's it, it so was, good. It was seemed, seemed neater. Yeah. That's what he said. Yeah, it yeah. It was. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. And Michael Caine is weirdly in this movie for three scenes. Yeah, I didn't recast him. I was like, eh. Yeah. I did, but I, I stunt casted it. Okay. I stunt cast a lot of these people, but... Mm-hmm. um. Whose dad was he? Was he Marion Cotillard's dad or was he Leonardo DiCaprio's dad? I actually have no idea. Because he described it as, uh, granddad's going to be bringing some toys for you later. And then he gives those toys to Michael Caine. Mm-hmm. And then he gets back to his house at the end and it's Michael Caine. I I thought uh, Michael Caine is Leonardo DiCaprio's father-in-law. Father-in-law, so Marion no. Cotillard's dad. Right, because that'd be a weird, that'd be weird if, if Michael Caine was his dad dad that's a weird <laughs> it's, 
I, I learned to build dreams like you taught me. It could go either way. And it, oh, I'm dating the daughter of the person who taught me. That's a certainly a trope that's happened. I mean, I I like to think that uh, yeah, he's the father-in-law. That's yeah. that was what I was thinking. Okay. Oh yeah. Cool. Great. Yeah. What did you think about the the Mal storyline? I liked it. You did? Okay, yeah, good. I liked it. I mean, I also love her. Yeah. So I think she can do anything. I would say, yep, this is great. That, yeah, it, <laughs> it's hard for me to ever get mad at Marion Cotillard. I saw Public Enemies. What do you think? It's a bad movie, but Marion Cotillard's great. <laughs> I I mean, again, because I like the family aspect of, you know, they were together, they have children. I, I, I like that aspect of the movie. I like that aspect of the movie, too. I actually, and I really like the aspect of someone who only lives in your subconscious a lot. Yeah. And I thought that they could have used that a lot more. Same thing, it's your subconscious. You can create people and characters all you want. So let's say in your subconscious, you created someone to help. Ooh. And the more in control of your subconscious you are, the more they're able to help. But as soon as you're on rails, now they're free and they're able to run around and wreck shit. Mm-hmm. So, like, let's let's say there's a Mal, but let's say there's another, like, let's say Ames mm-hmm. has a projection of his own. Mm-hmm. Ames gets killed projection all of a sudden different person Ooh, yeah it does its own thing or does it disappear oh i like that yeah because the the big talk after inception is 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 he in reality or is he not what did you think Ooh, I, like, does the top uh, keep spinning forever or man, is it... i was so stressed about that for a long time i like to think that he made it out i think recently michael kane confirmed that did you i did not tell oh me. so Michael Caine confirmed that, supposedly confirmed that, Dom, or Leonardo DiCaprio, makes it out. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because Christopher Nolan told him, oh, it's reality whenever you're in the scene. Oh. So. Interesting. This comes out, yeah, eight years later. That's yeah. the ending. That's, that's interesting that Michael Caine is the definition of reality. Right. Because it's someone that Cobb thinks about so little that he doesn't <laughs> right. exist in his subconscious. <laughs> I mean... I was okay with either ending. I think they both were compelling of, oh, he's stuck. Well, yeah. you know, that's that. But it, of course, it's the uncertainty, right? Mm-hmm. People want confirmation, and that's what makes that ending so unsettling. I so, agree. But that's what I liked about it. I was like, I'm so unsettled. Good. I. That's what I loved about the ending when I saw it with my friends, and it's what I hated about the ending when I saw it with my parents. Because <laughs> my parents were like, oh, it's interesting. What do you think? I mean, that, that, that's super fascinating. And then when I see it with my parents, like, they turn to me and go, so Sam, what happened? I'm like, uh, you don't know. I don't know. I don't know. A, that, that's a, no, no. So is it reality? You have to tell us. Is it reality or is it the dream? I'm like, well, what do you think? You have to tell us. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, I think people were trying to compute the physics of the top. Oh, that yeah. Movie came out. Oh, I think that those kind of tops specifically are supposed to be able to just spin for a long time. <laughs> right. Like, there's something in the way they're built that they just like, they just keep going. I'm just trying to imagine some poor physics student trying to figure yeah. out, like, the angular momentum of the top in Inception. And then Michael Caine just goes, oh, yeah, whatever, I'm in it. It's real. I think that's a great reason as any. I, I think that's great. And it's nice that, like, I guess came out years later. You know, that gave us yeah. eight years to speculate. It gave it eight years to speculate. And also, we've now reached a point where it's like, so do we want to make another one of these? Part <laughs> <laughs> two. Uh, what, uh, what? I wouldn't call it Inception 2. What would you call a, an Inception sequel? Hmm. Deception, Reception. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, what are some syllables I can put in the front of Inception? Re-Inception. Well, in the Inception was the planting the idea. I might call it Extraction. 
to remove an idea. Ooh, that would actually make sense. It's like two sides of a coin. Yeah. Mm, I like that. But would the movie Podcast... have to be about Josh? Well, I mean, the, the whole idea of Inception is they're going in and planting an idea. I think it'd be really interesting if, if they did a sequel, it would be going in and extracting an idea. Like, let's say someone's dying. They're literally on their deathbed. They've lost the ability to speak. And they plug into this person's brain to get information from them. But the person, mm-hmm. in your because in your mind you don't necessarily realize you're dying, but it's also like different aspects of your world are starting to go. Mm-hmm. And so the world is collapsing around them. And if they get st- trapped in this person's brain long enough, they die. You Like, if you die in someone's brain... Who's dying. Who's dead. Or, yeah. Or who's dead. You go with them. So it's oh. like racing the clock. Yeah. Because in the universe of Inception, extraction is normal. Inception's the... Correct odd thing so yeah. i guess it would be cool to just see a normal mm-hmm. extraction just the tooth just has to dentistry. I'm like, i mean that's the that's the parody but i mean <laughs> okay that's a re- that's a sequel but we're, we're ideal remake right right, um, right what were you thinking in terms of your remake not cast but in terms of concept mm-hmm. what would you what would you do with the movie i was thinking because i really like the mal mal uh, however you pronounce her name. Is it short for something? I think in the movie that's just... I used to mean it's probably short. Wait, wait, for, it wasn't on IMDb. It was just yeah, Mal. It's just Mal. 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 Anyways, uh, I would change... This is such a minor change. But instead of maybe having it be Dom Cobb, the lead guy, and Mal, it'd be maybe like a mother-daughter relationship mm-hmm. instead of husband-wife. And something to the effect of maybe she didn't... The lead here, what am I saying? Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character is trying to reunite with his dad or something to that effect. They build this life together where it's like, this is the childhood and the adult we could have had together. And then things go awry. Basically, I just swapped out family yeah. members now that I'm saying this out loud. I mean, again, I I really liked it uh, like plot-wise. Um, how about you? What, do you? what would you change? More yaks or? Well, absolutely. <laughs> I would make it more fantastical. Okay, yeah. I, I agree with that, actually. I think, yeah. I think you need to draw a line in the sand that separates dream from reality because that, for me at least, is very much the case all the time. And so one of the directors that I considered was Tim Burton because that's very dreamlike and whatever, but I would describe that as very drug-inspired dreamlike as right. opposed to like actual dreamlike where it's like reality but slightly off. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to change the rules a little bit, not go down levels. I kind of wanted it to be just moving from different person's mind to different person's mind. Mm-hmm. But, like, you break the rules. Like, you go to so many people's minds all of a sudden. Like, And, and I wanted to, like, I kind of wanted it to be that sliding scale between lucid and non-lucid dreams. Mm-hmm. Because that's the, this movie sort of had that already. Like, every time Leonardo DiCaprio's character started losing himself a little bit, he kind of started following his own dream logic. A train showed up, Mal showed up. And he just followed the conversation that he always had with Mal. Like, this is the, this is, I am waiting for a train. I don't know where it will take me. Mm-hmm. Something, 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 something. But we'll be there together. Yeah. We'll be doing it together. I think subconsciously I wanted the same thing because, can I talk about one of my directors? Of course. I thought uh, Ava DuVernay would be great because of A Wrinkle in Time. I know that movie was like so-so, but visually I thought it was stunning. And so I think that type of visual creativity is needed for a fantastical inception i think she could do it i agree and that's that that's kind of the sort of idea i want 
I don't want them in a bleak city. That's how Christopher Nolan directs them. <laughs> right. I don't, I don't want to be in Dark Knight, Batman yeah, Begins. That, that's not fun. The one thing I would say is that I want it to be in, I want to explore different ways the world can be. And that's why I want them to be in different people's heads. I heard an interesting fact one time that not everyone dreams in color. Some people believe they dream in color. Some people don't. And it's just the different way your subconscious creates things around you, like whether or not color is significant. And the idea of being in someone's head and all of a sudden you lose all the color. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, because that person doesn't dream in color. Or let's say they go into a blind person's head and all of a sudden they exist just as sound, but you can't do it in a movie, but it's something interesting to think about. Right. In the cartoon adaptation TV show. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I think... Yeah, one critique I do have about this, the, the movie Inception, is that, yeah, all the levels have the same feel. Yeah. And it's, even though I get that they have one person designing everything, it would be more fun to see, okay, what, how does Eames dream? How does uh, Dom dream? How does um, Yusuf dream? Yeah. All these characters. That's what I want. I like that. And then the other thing I would add is, it's a dream, make it more of a dream. If you need to throw off a bunch of people, basically everyone in this dream is the Green Lantern. You have mm-hmm. the power to create constructs and do whatever you want. Like, you need to stop a car coming after you, bam, it just ran into a brick wall. Mm-hmm. Or you need to take some guys out, Ames walks up, got a dream bigger, darling, and he has a gigantic gun. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I would have been happy if he all of a sudden had a bazooka. I was going to say, why didn't he come up with a bazooka? He just came up with, eh, well, I mean, a grenade. Or a rocket launcher or something. Right. I think, I mean, I get at the beginning, it would make, would make sense to make the dream seem like reality. So it's like, oh, the line is blurred. But as you, you know, go along with the movie, I think that's where it can get more fantastical. Where, okay, yeah, we all know we're in, like, level five of this dream. Yeah. Let's go crazy. Yeah, the person whose brain is in charge of level five is Yusuf, and this is what Yusuf's head is like. He just happens to be level five. I didn't, I didn't put that much thought into it. I didn't think we'd make it as far as me. Well, well, here we go. Yep. The other thing that I would change is... I was watching this with a costume designer, so she brought up their outfits, and she's right. Why do they get dressed to the nines in order to go to sleep? One of the characters literally chooses to wear suspenders on a plane so he can go to sleep. Ellen Page, the college student, gets dressed in, like, really fancy clothes. She's a college student. Wear sweatpants. Wear pajamas. You're going to sleep. (laughs) Wear whatever you want in the dream. That'd be awesome. It's kind of like what I talked about with in, in the Matrix episode where it's a dream. You could literally be a dude on the outside, but when you dream, you're a woman. Or you dream and you're a much like stronger person or a taller mm-hmm. person or whatever. It's it's your dream depiction of yourself. It's your, your own version of reality. So you can look real nice in your dream, but you can be super comfortable in your life. <laughs> you're on a plane. Don't wear a suit to get on a plane. For a 12-hour flight? Are you kidding me? I think it's only because they're in first class, so they're trying to portray themselves as business travelers. That's my only thought on that. If I'm a business traveler and I'm getting to fly in seats that comfortable, I am wearing goddamn pajamas. <laughs> well, I think because maybe it's on the company's dime, you have to represent the company, right? I'm not uh, handing out business cards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not work. Uh, I mean, I, that's my thought on that. That's just because, but I'm yeah. biased though, because my dad works for an airline. So. And he insists that everyone... You have, there's a dress code. You have to. I can't just when wear... When you're sweat- seated? Yeah, I can't just wear sweatpants. 
I can't just change it really? to sweatpants. Yeah, I have to because I'm representing the company when I'm using. Oh, passes. interesting. Yeah, so that's why to me, I mean, but I also I like the idea that yeah, I want to be in my jammies while I'm dreaming. I agree with that. Cool. <laughs> I, I, I did I just, not think about that, but that's interesting. I'm, I'm just that's only because of my experience. Sure, but like, that makes total sense to me. But I mean, I would love to wear like matching set pajamas <laughs> from J Crew. Yeah, That'd be amazing. That's just getting to see what everyone's pajamas are. <laughs> I just want to see what people's jammies are. Yeah, I mean, the one, like, Yusef is kind of, like, dressed casually the entire movie. He shows up to get on a 10-hour plane flight. <laughs> He's in a three-piece suit. And we're just like, no. That's not on brand for you. No. <laughs> His character is really interesting, too. Like, the, the, the people who went in the back because their dream reality had become their actual reality. And they just mm-hmm. went there to sleep every day. Right. What what did they say it would be like? So they're there for four, three to four hours, but that's equivalent to ten hours. So basically, they spend their the whole quote unquote the whole day yeah. in this dream reality, but they're in real time. They're only there for three to four hours. And, but they shared the dreams. So they were all in yeah. There are twelve own... of them hooked up to one dream, which I thought was interesting. Like imagine twelve people. Do they all know each other? Do they interact? Do they hang out? Do they take turns in each people's? head is it this time oh this time we're in jane's land (laughs) it's uh well we gotta hang out with all the jane subconscious people what this will be fun oh yeah because then isn't it true that the projections can sense like once you're oh i'm not supposed to be here they all start attacking you yeah but maybe that's part of the they attack the dreamer oh the dreamer excuse me i'm sure you came up with a good chemical cocktail so that they all are just happy well they attack the dreamer but they're also only if the dreamer's, like, changing the world and uh, manipulating oh, things. Right, right. Because they don't automatically go after the dreamer. It's just if they oh, right. set something's up. Okay. And if they all knew going in, why would they attack the dreamer? It's just because they were only attacking um, our main characters because the main characters are trying to do something to the dreamer. Right, right. Or to the whoever. No, that makes sense. Well, here's my thoughts. So, those 12 people, I wonder if their dreams are more fantastical. Because if you're there yeah. every day, I would hope it's fun. Right? Like, if that's what you're choosing your life to be, I sure hope it's not just their versions of The Matrix where they're just like, well, I gotta go to work now. <laughs> oh, no, that would be so sad. But right? it kind of makes me think of uh, Ready Player One, right? I don't know yeah. if you read the book in the movie, but yes. where, right, where they go and they're escaping reality because it's so bad, they go into... VR. Mm-hmm. I mean, I imagine, unfortunately for these folks, that's probably what's happening. Yeah, you're probably right. Right. But I hope at least it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastical. But the other thing is that I would add elements of comedy. Like, I think it's a dream. Things are going to be silly. You're going to ride a guinea pig to work. Right. You're going <laughs> to have the things that are crazy and wild, and that's what happens. Because it's a dream. I literally had a dream once where I was like either chasing or being chased by someone where I grabbed onto a rope and was pulled through a tree stump (laughs) into like my 10th grade science classroom. But I don't mean like through a stump. I mean, there was literally a stump, like I grabbed on a rope and I went, got pulled and it physically threw a stump. And on the other side of the stump was this classroom, a real stump on the ground. I don't know. It makes no sense. Dreams. (laughs) Dreams. Yeah. You know, uh, we were talking about earlier how you said like, if you like how you had that accident in, in Italy, right? Yeah. And I'm, so I'm sitting here trying to think of like, oh, what dreams have I had? The only ones I remember were realistic and terrible. Where I was like, oh, oh good. right. <laughs> like I wish I could remember. Like, oh, I rode a guinea pig to work. I had one where I think I was shot, and I mm-hmm. like 
this is kind of like a graphic, but I remember feeling the bullet enter my arm, but it didn't hurt. But I remember feeling it and going, yeah. oh my gosh, I just got shot. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess maybe that's what Inception is a like. Bit, but every yeah. person who's doing Inception, I would make them have a piece of paper and a pen right next to where they're asleep because as soon as they wake up, they better write that shit down because it's going away. Right, right. Yeah. it's a dream. They fade. That's true. I actually do this morning ritual where I do something called morning pages. So first thing I, I do when I wake up is I write down just stream of consciousness thoughts. And it's interesting like how much I remember within a second of waking up. But if I go to the bathroom and then do morning pages, I completely forget my dreams. I believe that. Yeah. Because, yeah, <laughs> we just that, that, yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> Uh, and the other thing that I found interesting that the movie kind of dismissed was at some point Ellen Page asks uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, these people are elements of the who, such and such a subconscious, right? Uh-huh. Does killing them break anything in the subconscious? No, it's not important. That's not an exciting answer. Oh, right. Yeah, I remember that part. I was, oh, that's really anticlimactic. Yeah. Okay. I want to know, like, if he kills that person, does he forget his first grade teacher's name? Right. Because I think I read somewhere, I don't know, I don't know, I read it somewhere, that... The people you see in your dreams that you don't immediately recognize, you've seen them before. They're yeah. strangers that you've encountered. So, yeah, if you shot a projection of, like, your 7th grade biology teacher, is you that... forget that person. Right. And I think the answer should be, yeah. Yeah, let's up the stakes. Yeah. Yes. Way more interesting that way. Oh, definitely. Like, because that makes shooting Mal something important. Like, you shoot Mal, she's gone. Yeah. Like, you're actively destroying that part of your brain. Yeah. Or that part of your subconscious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it, it's a Christopher Nolan with the stakes not being too high? I don't understand. <laughs> What's going on? But yeah, so it was like, I, I want more dreams. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's... That's the crux of what I'm saying. Yeah. TLDR. Yeah. More dreams. So with that in mind... I think we should get into our our casting, but I do think we have to start with writer-director because I think that kind of defines the world. Mm-hmm. You started with... It, uh, Ava DuVernay. I'm bad at pronunciation. Ava <laughs> DuVernay. I can picture it. Yeah. Uh, Ava DuVernay, who did Wrinkle in Time. Tell me about some of the other things mm-hmm. she's done. Uh, she did Selma. What else did she do? Uh, 13th, which is a Netflix documentary. No, I'm blanking. She's done a ton of stuff. Oh, oh Queen yeah, Sugar. Yeah. Queen Sugar. She's the, I think, executive producer of that. Uh, now I think about it. Yeah, Wrinkle Time is the one that is <laughs> the one fantastical thing that she did. Everything else is close to reality. Well, that's not unexpected. It's it's right. not about I need them to exclusively work in the realm of dreams. Oh, right, right. I mean, I, I say give her more things. So yeah. <laughs> give her... Inception do. Uh, <laughs> or sorry, Extraction. Extraction. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, I mean, we're talking remake. So ground up, rebuilding it, tearing down the subconscious and building your own city kind of thing. Right. Uh, you said that she was one of your options. And she was your option for director. Who do you have for your writer? Ooh, okay. So <laughs> I thought of uh, the guy who wrote and directed The Last Jedi, Ryan, Ryan Johnson? Ryan Johnson. Ryan, Ryan Johnson? Ryan Johnson. Okay. R-I-A-N. It's Ryan? Ryan Johnson. Okay. Oh, I, okay. Him. Him. Yeah. I like him. <laughs> I also like him. <laughs> I, I think he'd be... I loved Last Jedi. I know that was a really dis, divisive film. Not in this household. Oh, great. Perfect. <laughs> uh, I mean, the moment where they go... Or uh, Space Dern, Laura Dern goes 
<laughs> Space Dern. Space Dern. Space Dern. <laughs> That's what I call her in the context of Star Wars. But I um, love it. She goes into... Uh... There's Space Dern and Dinosaur Dern. <laughs> yep, yeah. No, does. there's Space Dern and Dernosaur. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Uh, but yeah, when when she goes into light light speed, yeah, yeah. that's the proper term. Light speed into oh, snow. So cool. To me, when I was watching Inception, I was like, yeah, yeah. Let's have that aesthetic of her. I'm cool with that going into Snoke's ship. Yeah, that's awesome. Those, those are those are my my pitches. My pitches are two people who've worked together. My director is Michael Gondry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eternal Sunshine on the Spotless Mind. Yeah, good choice. And the reason why I picked that is because. He, there is it's eternal assumption on the spotless mind it is kind of that aspect of dream roles where sometimes you see the person's face sometimes you don't and it's mm-hmm. kind of like and it is things being forgotten as the world goes around you and that's kind of what that movie is and that's kind of the aesthetic i want to take but he also did an episode of flight of the concords he <laughs> he's someone who like has certainly done the dark think pieces but he's also done the comedic elements and it's a dream and that's kind of what i wanted and so the writer is Charlie Kaufman, who wrote Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. He <laughs> yeah, wrote yeah. Being John Malkovich, which is right, yeah. very dreamlike and weird. Mm-hmm. But he also wrote on the Dana Carvey show. Right, that's like what I was thinking when you said <laughs> it. Like, I was like, yeah, I see that. Yeah, I can get behind that. And it's like ridiculous, goofy shit. Because that's what they do. It's a dream. It's I want I want ridiculous, goofy shit in a crazy world where stuff's swirling around over the family drama. Yeah. And that's kind of what I saw for the world. And that that's kind of why I picked them. And I know that Michael Gondry, especially since they've both done Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which is very similar, but I like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. <laughs> and I think that you lose a lot in the mystery of, well, what's happening, what's going on. And I wanted to spend more time in the dream world, uh, mm-hmm. losing things and, and memories fading. That's I can get behind that. Him. Yeah. So that, anyway, that's yeah. why I liked him. And so I think that that... So that kind of talks about the way we would define the dream world. For uh, Ava DuVernay and Ryan Johnson, Ryan Johnson in particular normally directs the things that he writes. Like mm-hmm. you think he writes now in order to direct. Right. Yeah. I think that's why I, I was like, yeah, well, it's two for one deal. Let's yeah, <laughs> have right. one person do does both. She, does Ava DuVernay also write? I would imagine she does. I would be, I know it she. It says she has a miscellaneous crew, producer, and writer. It doesn't even say director. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because her Sundance film, Middle of Nowhere, I think she did all the things for that. Probably. Let's find out. Let's see. I'm on her IMDb page right now. Middle of Nowhere. She was the director, producer, and writer. There we go. So both Ryan Johnson and Ava DuVernay, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it every time I say it. No, that was pretty good. Thank you for humoring me. (laughs) Um... Two for one deal. That's that's where I'm going to go with that. Yeah. What kind of... And I kind of get the idea for Ava DuVernay about the kind of dream world she would mm-hmm. create. So let's split the difference. Let's have our writer be Charlie Kaufman and our director be Ava DuVernay. I like that. That'd be fair? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Sam is crossing out. That's how I go, because that way I can read it back at the end. Oh, love it, love it. That was easy. So we kind of have the weird world and, and quirky comedy of Charlie Kaufman mixed with the visual stylings. Because <laughs> the one thing Wrinkle in Time really, really did well was it was gorgeous and it looked amazing. And the, right. like, the kids all bouncing the basketball at the same time is mm-hmm. huge. Yeah. It's Wrinkle in Time. It needs to look amazing. Exactly. Cool. I like it. Now that that's done, let's get into our cast. Okay. Let's talk about Cobb. 
My Cobb. Dom, Dom, right? Oh, sorry. I'm so technical. Dom or Mal Cobb? I'm just kidding. It's obviously I, not. He's, Leonardo- on, he's an IMDb as Cobb. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Leonardo DiCaprio's character. <laughs> no, obviously him first. Uh, the, I'm, because in the last episode we recorded, this name came up, and I definitely used him before, but I like him, uh, is the actor Rahul Kohli. This guy? Oh, hey, iZombie guy. Yeah, iZombie yeah. guy. And Justice had recommended him, and I love him, so I, I want him to be in more things. <laughs> but because, partly because I really only know him from iZombie, I'm sure he's done other things, but I want him to be in more things so that when iZombie inevitably ends, he has 10,000 more jobs so he never stops working because he's charming and amazing. Mm-hmm. And also he's like handsome leading man, all that fun stuff. And also I think that he yeah. is fun and quirky and can do interesting dream things while also can be dark and deal with family stuff <laughs> yeah uh yeah now that we have this new element of being fantastical uh now i'm gonna still stick with my with choices so i was thinking henry golding he is the male leading crazy rich asians and he also just did <laughs> this is me plugging in crazy rich asians he also did a simple favor that anna kendrick like lively movie uh-huh. <laughs> Sam is unconvinced. I think he would be perfect. He's suave, he's sexy, he looks good in a tie. He's also emotionally vulnerable. I think he would be great. I also actually have another person, but I will just Tell me him. the other person. Because I'm less convinced by his two credits as a leading man. Well, that's the amazing story. That's his amazing... <laughs> that is his amazing story, is that he... Great, tell me his amazing story. Okay. I want to know so, his amazing story. So, okay, here, here's the story. So, they were going to start... Sh- sh- uh, they were going to start shooting Crazy Rich Asians, and they had a few weeks left, and they still hadn't found their Nick Young, which is the male lead. Sure. So an accountant at the production company said, oh, there's this really good-looking travel host. You should have him come in. Travel host? So he's a travel host in Malaysia, like BBC Traveler, I think this one. Oh, okay, I understand. Yeah, so then he came right in, and that was his first role. And ever since then, he's just been booking leading man roles. So he's going to be in the new movie with Amelia Clark. Monsoon or Last Christmas? Last Christmas. That's the most recent casting news. So his his credits are Crazy Rich Asians, and then A Simple Favor, and then Monsoon, and then the latest thing is Last Christmas. So really... 2018 is his first year of being a well-known actor. Yeah, I mean, his first thing is Crazy Rich Asians. Right, and according to my understanding, what a thing. <laughs> and, and my understanding is he's very good in it, obviously. Yes, he's really good, and I I want to take a risk with him and see what... <laughs> I mean, it's not really... A, I don't know, I think he's great, I want him to be in things. So. <laughs> I mean, that's basically my logic, too. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, can I tell you my other person? Sure, tell me your other person. Tessa Thompson. I also like Tessa Thompson. I, I don't I don't think <laughs> Tessa Thompson. What? I think she would be great because, okay, let's think about this. So Dom is, you know, business savvy guy. Uh, he is charming, but then he also has this, you know, background of his ex-wife, or not yeah. ex-wife, well, yeah, killed, killed herself. And I think, because think about how she was the love interest in Creed. Combine that with Westworld, and then combine that with uh, her role as Valkyrie and Thor. She mm-hmm. can do action, she can do drama, she can do it all. Agreed with all of those things. I just want to see her in more power suits. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's who I think should be the lead. Or one person who could be the lead. Between the two, though, who would you pick? 
Ah, uh, so then, because I think a big part of Inception is the ensemble. Yeah. So I have it where if it's one so person... it depends on who we have for Maul. Right, yeah. Well, let me put it this way. If Tessa Thompson is Dom, then Henry Golding is going to be Maul. Who's Henry Golding? <laughs> the crazy rich Asians guy. Uh, okay. <laughs> I just put them... I just think they would look good together, too. The, oh, okay. I mean, for Maul... I said the obvious choice is Constance Wu. Oh, really? Yeah. I, you know, I wanted to put her somewhere, but I think because I also had some other folks for Molly. Well, because I, I picked her specifically for that role because of the roles she's previously played, and this is an opportunity for her to break away from that sort of thing. Mm. Because she's kind of played in Crazy Rich Asian, she plays the person in love, like the, right. the kind of the reverse love interest. Like I'm trying to find out the mm-hmm. the romantic comedy. Right, right, right. I got and you. in uh, Fresh Off the Boat, she's Mom. wife, right? Yeah, the yeah, mom. Yeah. And those are kind of the characters she's played. And so I think it's interesting if she comes in with that sort of character. Oh. And then you kind of find out that especially be- she becomes more duplicitous because it's more dreamlike and she takes on more roles. But. Ah, I like that. I said the obvious choice is Constance Wu, but how about Kelly Marie Tran? I actually have Kelly Marie Tran for Ellen Page's character. Oh, Ari, Ari interesting. Adney. Yeah. I, Ariadne? Ar- Ar- what a great name. That'll get you lots of friends. <laughs> Every time I was trying to practice saying her name for this, I kept saying Ariana Grande. I don't know why. Ariadne. I, mean, I just like, kind of add, kept adding syllables. No, because like for for that character, for Ellen Page's character, Kelly Marie Tran, Kelly Marie Tran is my only choice. For Ariadne? Yes. However you pronounce it. The I'm other opposed to that, huh? I, my Ariadne is yeah. Saoirse Ronan. Ooh. You don't like Saoirse Ronan? No, I love her. That's why oh. I'm making this voice. <laughs> I, I love her so much. That's the problem. So, oh. like, those are the kinds of people that we have, and I, this okay. is this is Inception. It needs to be an all-star cast because that's uh. kind of the level that this movie would be, and it's the kind of budget it would need. And Saoirse Ronan. I think that she can kind of go back and forth, and I don't necessarily need her to be a college student, because I think that that's a little young. Yeah, I mean, they can be grad student. Yeah, yeah. grad student, working on a dissertation, a dissertation, associate professor, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Because it was really weird kind of seeing super young Ellen Page yelling at Leonardo DiCaprio, doing kind of the tropes of the love interest, but not being the love interest. I mean, I kind of like that she was telling him off. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> I think it's great that she was telling him off. But, like, the weird age dichotomy, I was like... Mm, that was too much. You're you're actively inviting a child into danger. Mm, and okay. I want her to have, have be a little bit more... Have a little bit more agency, be a little bit older, so that she is capable of processing the danger she's going to be in. <laughs> right. And is accepting of that, as opposed to just, this seems like fun, and I can't not do this now. Yeah. And I know Ellen Page is older than she looks, but still. Right. I mean, when I was watching it, the whole time I was thinking Kelly Marie Tran. She would be so good in that role. Yes. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I, that's so interesting that you brought up for Maul, though. That's really interesting. It's a different kind of role, but it's it also a good role. Yeah. But again, I'm perfectly happy making her Ariadne. In fact, yeah. I'm going to do that now. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, let me throw in another name for Maul. Vanessa Kirby. Tell me about her. So she's known for The Crown, which I've never seen, but she's in the latest Mission Impossible, and I absolutely fell in love with her in that movie. And I think she'd be able to both be fierce, 
but heartbroken. She can do all the things. But it's also based on Mission Impossible. But then when I heard she was on The Crown, I was like, well, clearly she's very talented. Yeah. And she, so she's a really well-known stage actress in the UK. So she's, yeah, so she's British. (laughs) (laughs) You can put two and two together. I think she would be good as She probably would be. I think that we have interesting choices. But I think that it (laughs) it depends on who we have for Cobb. That's true. I think our Cobb and our Mal, Mal, Mal. Need to go together. Yeah, and let's let's come back to it then. Yeah, let's because I think go those back. two are the pairing of the cast, so to speak. I, I don't I necessarily concur. need it to be heteronormative, but right, right. No, I, I I concur. I mean, I then I can put Tessa Thompson somewhere else. I had another. <laughs> I just love Tessa Thompson. Yeah, she's great. I've we've cast her a bunch of times in this show. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, let's talk about Arthur. Okay, I have Riz Ahmed. He was in. Rogue One. He's the pilot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he was also in The Night Of from HBO. Right. I, I think he won an Emmy for, if I remember correctly. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and he's good. Tell me more about him. T- t- pitch him. Why would he be good as Arthur? Other than the fact that he looks a little bit like uh, Joseph <laughs> Uh I really liked him in Rogue One. I know, like, I should probably talk about The Night Of, but with Rogue One, I actually, I don't know. Now I think about it. <laughs> he's yeah. in in rogue one no he one. is the the he, other he, he's not he worked for the empire but he was just like he, he was the, he was the traitor yeah he was the traitor the one who like had the information who was being tortured by mm. um uh, <laughs> forest Whitaker's character like it, those the rebel yeah, guys yeah. they were torturing him yeah yeah there. with the weird octopus monster right right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah and then they find him in the in the jail right I, don't know, I just feel like he, because for that character, you need someone who can tell off the Cobb character. And I think I Rizomek could do that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, depending on who he casts as Cobb. Right. But, I think uh, it depends, but yeah. Yeah. You need someone who's self-assured and confident and is able to kind of like. Right, yeah. Who has been friends with Cobb for a really long time and is able mm-hmm. to kind of like uh, call him on his shit or her shit. Or her shit, yeah. Yeah. That's why I cast Michelle Rodriguez. <laughs> Yeah, that I I could see that. Yeah, because she she's an avatar, but she's also in. I wrote Fat and Furious, but Fast and <laughs> Furious because I did a typo. Good for Ooh. Sam. I'm really self conscious of my typos because I like I did an Instagram post today and like I got called on my typo and I'm like oh, no. no. But she's also in Lost and she's this mm-hmm. like supremely confident, powerful woman and right. I absolutely could see her calling everyone on their shit. Mm, I think, and also I'd like to have more women in this cast. Yeah, I think for, that's why for me, for uh, Celia Murphy's character, Robert Fisher, I have a bunch of female pitches for that. So I think that's what I was doing. Like, I would put Michelle Rodriguez as the heir to a business empire. I thought about that too, mm-hmm. except that they're breaking into someone's brain and trying to convince them to do something. Oh, Michelle. And the, and the optics of doing that to a woman are not good. Oh. Especially hmm. if it's a bunch of dudes breaking into a woman's head to convince her to do something. I mean, maybe that's why I was gender flipping some of these other roles. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, I didn't think about that. I guess for me, I was thinking, like, I think it'd be cool to see a powerful woman who was about to inherit, like, an energy conglomerate. That's where I was coming from. Yeah, but the problem is that then we're all on her side, and we want her to control a powerful energy conglomerate, and we don't Uh, necessarily want to see it broken up. Yeah. Okay. For that role, stick with a dude. Okay, well... 
Let me see. I think, lucky for you, I am ridiculous, and I have a male backup choice. Just in case. Yeah, just in case. But for for Arthur, I do think we should go with Michelle Rodriguez, just Mm -hmm. full. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I like her. Uh, Yeah, I I really only know her from Fast and Furious, so I would be happy to put her in something like this. I. It says she's known for Avatar, but I don't remember who she was in Avatar. I don't remember. I haven't seen Avatar since I saw it in theaters. Yeah. I, like, I know she's good. I've, I've definitely seen her in other things, but I can't for life me know what they are. <laughs> but, like, I I know she's good. Yes. Do you want to talk about uh, the Robert Fisher character? Do you want to talk about who your male backup was? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chadwick Boseman? Black Panther. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. Yeah. I I also kind of pulled from that same world. <laughs> Did you? Don Cheadle. Oh, okay. Real toss-up. <laughs> uh... I, I picked Don Cheadle because he's a little bit older, and because I kind of think... And he can do comedy a little bit more. There's a funny video that I saw online where it talks about how Chadwick Boseman is the only Marvel character who doesn't quip. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he's very serious. And for the world that I created for Dreams, I kind of want Don Cheadle to go back and forth between being the very, very serious person and being, all right, let's do this. We're going to go solve the problem. And he's been, like, completely tricked. And all of a sudden he has the army helmet on. He's holding the rifle that shoots grenade bubble gum. <laughs> and he's ready to charge into battle against the bunnies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I can see something. I can see Don Cheadle doing that. He's Captain Planet. goddammit. it! <laughs> he's gonna turn people into motherfucking trees. Okay, I think what's throwing me off is the, this new fantastical element because I don't have a lot of comedy folks besides Kelly Marie Tran. Well, I mean, I don't necessarily describe her as a comedy. Oh, folk, I mean, for, but she's. But yes, I know what you mean. Yeah, like she. For those who don't know, she's. Uh, in the LA improv scene. so Is she? Yeah. She, I've she never seen imp- her perform. Oh, she's hilarious. I'm sure she is. I've just never yeah. seen her do stuff. Her team is number one son. <laughs> I'm not even Number honest. one son? Yeah, that, it's all female Asians. Great. And, yeah, she's fantastic. So yeah, she... I, I only knew her before Star Wars because uh, she... Friends of friends, things like that. And so yeah, I know her from improv so that's, <laughs> that's what's even like she's amazing. hilarious i when i went to go see the last jedi i saw a wga screening of it and my friend chuck who i play pokemon go with leaned over to me what and he just pointed to Kelly me and says she plays pokemon go she got the whole cast into it and i was like <laughs> that's amazing yeah no she's she's great and that's why she's a great ariadne exactly but i i don't necessarily want comedy people for everything because right 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 i think that particular character, sure, but like I, I don't necessarily have any comedy people left for anything else, I, other than Cobb. But like, okay, it's just him because he's the mark. Okay, he's the one where we kind of need to see him go back and forth, and like mm-hmm. he's being tricked, so that needs to be funny. I think. No, I. Otherwise, I it's sad because otherwise <laughs> they're ruining Robert Fisher's relationship with Browning. They kind of made him out to be like this sinister right. guy who's like going behind his back, but we don't know that. Right. No, I think he's supposed to be a, he's a chill dude in real life, but I don't know. So here's the thing, because I, I appreciate that you're saying the optics would be bad, but I honestly, I think it would be fine if it's a woman. I don't know. That's how I, I feel. I, but I, you I see don't them? want a bunch of dudes breaking into a woman's brain in order to force her to think something she doesn't think. In order to make the one female executive give up her power. Okay. I, I get it. I know what you're saying it out loud. People who are listening are probably like, yeah, Sheena, what are you thinking? <laughs> but I don't know. I, you're, I, there's yeah, a good chance I'm wrong and no, you might not no. have a problem with it globally, though. Right, right, right. <laughs> okay, let's, okay, we won't take a risk in that in that regards. So we have 
Chadwick Boseman and Don Cheadle. Let's go with Don Cheadle. Okay. Comedy. A okay. little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little bit more. I don't have comedy people for anything else. <laughs> But no. for this one, yeah. Yeah, let I me mean, understanding like we decided it's going to be more fantastical. Yeah, Don Cheadle's hilarious. Let's put him there. Yeah. So you said you had a lot of trouble with Ames. Oh my gosh. So I'll go first, and then you can tell me who you came up with. <laughs> okay. Uh, my Ames is Idris Elba. I have him as Peter Browning. As the <laughs> old guy, the one who's friends with his dad, well, He's the I, father but, figure. But also, I had. Yeah, I don't see why. It's just Alba couldn't be Chadwick Boseman's uncle. I'm probably. I don't know. I <laughs> yeah. mean, you mean Don Cheadle's uncle? I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> well, now that we have Don Cheadle, then it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Browning, Browning was a character that I cast, and I was like, I don't care about Browning. Yeah, that, I guess I, I, I'm like, I don't, I don't give a shit. But I just, you know, I just liked. Uh, I mean, my Browning is Gary Oldman, but I'm like, I'm perfectly happy if we cut Browning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I don't. Cut. We don't need him. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it's funny, we have, like, similar actors, yeah. because I'm in different spots. Because, yeah, I was like, oh, Idris Elba. Right. Let's put him in here. Are you actually, you know... Well, Idris Elba, Idris Elba is one of those actors who gets, who, every single time I do an episode, mm-hmm. one of the people who gets chosen by one of the other, uh, mm-hmm. by the guests, is Idris Elba. Every time, guaranteed, forever. Yeah. <laughs> he's in all of our movies. Because he's great, but he's also, like, a very visible black actor who, like, mm, well, we right, need to right, add right. a little bit of color, and Idris Elba is always great, and he should be James Bond. Why shouldn't he be James Bond? Right. And so people always pick him. So, like, this time I was like, great, I have a role for him here. Well, uh, but yeah. I'm perfectly happy to go with someone else. Tell me who no. your Ames is. Well, let me just say real quick, I actually did think of Idris at one point for Ames, Ames, I can never Ames. Ames, but then I just put him as Peter Brown because I was like, eh, yeah. I actually had Diego Luna. Ooh. That's good casting for this. Because Tom Hardy's, like, this, like, buff, tough guy. I think Diego Luna, like, I like, he has, like, a, I don't know, finesse of, I can see him really taking the time to put that attention to detail to come up with these appearances. And I, I remember. How recently did you watch Rogue One? <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, because in Rogue One, he's a spy. And I, I think he would be a good type of, like, well, here's the thing. Type of guy. Tom Hardy is the big buff guy, and that's how we think of him. Now, that's not how I thought of him in this movie. Mm, like, mm-hmm. someone had to point out to me that that was Tom Hardy years later. I'm like, oh, because I think of Tom Hardy as I think of him in Mad Max, kind of like mm. the big dude. Right. And he's big in this movie as well, just because that's his body type. But right. I don't necessarily think of him in this movie as being the big, strong guy, because that's not relevant to his character at all. Right. I mean, like, he does distract people on the snow castle level, but I think Diego Luna could not do by, it. Not by lifting things. No, I mean, see, I, he was skiing. I can't ski, so I'm like, oh, that looks yeah. hard. So when he's... Well, if anything, I feel like skiing would be harder if you're bigger. I feel like you need to be a little bit more alive in order to have full control of the mountain. I think yeah. Diego Luna's a better choice, especially because he's a voice of Krell in Troll Hunters episode, <laughs> episode 9, season 3. In good hands. <laughs> I just like that show. Oh, I'm a season behind. I haven't seen that episode. Ooh. Ooh. Something to look forward to. Let's go with Diego Luna. Yay. I like him a lot. As you can tell, I said that for every person. I, yeah. I just have a list. You, you pulled everybody from Rogue One and from Crazy Rich Asians. That's fine. <laughs> Basically. I mean, that's true. <laughs> I'm looking at my list and I'm like, well, I'm not done. <laughs> I, I'm sure. <laughs> Okay, let's move forward. Uh, who's next? Let's talk about Saito. Okay. Uh, Saito is so hard. 
I have this is one where I have the person that I picked, and then I've got two backups who are also good, but like Saito's specifically a Japanese name, and I was like, mm, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's particularly difficult to find Japanese actors, mm-hmm. especially of a certain age, mm-hmm. because I type in Japanese or Japanese American actors into into Google or into everything, and it's just a bunch of just young, modely looking kids who are like between the ages of sixteen and twenty two, and I'm just like. <laughs> I can't use any of you. I get that you're very pretty, but no. Right, yeah, this is not what we're looking for. I mean, here, I, I'll give you a name. Michelle Yeoh from Crazy Rich Asians. But she's also in Star Trek Discovery, and she was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. So she can do the action that's required of that role. Yeah, I know she can. Wonder why? <laughs> why? Because in last episode, we cast her. <laughs> oh, you did. oh, so can And oh. she came up in the episode before that. Oh, uh, did you cast her in those two? We cast remember. her in Big Trouble in Little China. The episode hasn't come out yet. Oh. I haven't even edited it yet. Oh, okay. As of the recording, Big Trouble in Little China has not been edited. And oh man, that two-hour episode is going to be so fun. But uh, if you want to find out more about how much we enjoy Michelle Yeoh, tune into the Big Trouble in Little China episode of... Actually, you know what? I might switch this episode and Big Trouble in Little China because basically it's Mortal Kombat, Big Trouble in Little China, and then Inception. And I was like... Saito would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I will admit, I usually don't listen to podcasts in chronological order. No, you shouldn't. So, <laughs> no one has to be as crazy as I am. <laughs> I mean, except for serial, but uh, yeah. like, for those types of things. You mean but... a serialized podcast? <laughs> Seriali- but yeah, so podcast like... isn't serialized. Who cares? <laughs> it was like the last two. I'm like, I, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Um, but like, anyways, she specifically came up. <laughs> and, and it's not that she wouldn't also be great for this particular mm-hmm. role. It's just that the character's name is Saito, and that's Japanese. Yeah. I mean, so for me, that's why I was like, okay, I'll give myself some leniency. I'll put an Asian per- uh, person, Daniel Day Kim. That was one of my backups. <laughs> okay. He's like, standard attractive dude. Yeah. I, uh, he he's like South Korean? Yes. Yeah. I think he's, well, he's American, but yeah. So, yeah. So, yes. We got, we got it. We got it. Yeah. So not, she, My two backups were Daniel Day Kim and B.D. Wong. Ooh, okay. But... Well, Neither of them Japanese. Yeah. So I was, I was, and again, I'm willing to bend the rules a little bit. It's come up. It's happened. It's who's best for the role. Right. And I mean, obviously, I'm like, everyone should, people of color. Uh, I think in this case, it's, I know his name is Saito, but I, I think it's okay. Where you can just switch, the, maybe the person is, yeah, Korean. And, they, and it could be half Chinese, half Korean. Right, it's yeah. The, dad, the dad's Japanese because that's where the last name comes from. The mom's Korean. Right, exactly. Yeah. It could be anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The actor that I did end up finding is an actor named Yuki Matsuzaki, Mm -hmm. who has not done that. Well, that's a lie. He's done a shit ton of stuff, Mm -hmm. but it's all little things. Like he keeps just barely missing the the kind of like lead roles. And he's a good looking dude. Oh, he was in, oh, Letters from, oh, this guy. Yeah. Sorry, let me see the whole (laughs) title. Letters from. Letters from Iwo Jima. Iwo Jima. the Caribbean on Stranger Tide. He's the dialogue coach on Pacific Rim Uprising. (laughs) He's in Last Two Days, Brainstorm. He does VO for Ghost in the Shell. He's like one of those people who's just outside the realm of popularity. And I was like, "Eh, that might be interesting. Yeah. I like, I'm all about giving people a chance. And this guy is... The problem is I don't know how good an actor he actually oh, is. That's why we have auditions, right? But, yeah. uh... But he's who I ended up landing on. He, he's been okay. in The Man in the High Castle. He's in mm. he's in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm he's, not opposed. He was in, in newsroom. Mo- Melissa and Joey? Is yeah, that what I'm... Toshi Kimura. 
Okay. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because it was a voiceover and, like I said, attractive guy. He looks like he could run a business. Yeah. A big business. The, I mean, I would say he's got a bit of a baby face. Let him grow some facial hair. And then I'm like, I see this picture and I'm like, yeah. 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 So that was my, I found a good Japanese actor in order to do the role. But okay. again, I'm also perfectly happy to go with Daniel Day Kim or someone mm-hmm. else. Ooh. So tell me what you think. I will leave this entirely in your hands. Oh, really? Okay. No pressure. <laughs> I want more female characters. So okay. with that said, so I think that's a good one in that case. This would be a good female yeah, businesswoman. Where she's the CEO in charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you think of anyone else other than Michelle? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I know, why I get, keeps coming I know, up. I know, I get it, I get it. Like, you want to give other people, other folks, an opportunity. Here's a pitch. Chris Aquino. She is... Tell me about her. Spell her name. Oh, K-R-I-S, and then last name is A-Q-U-I-N-O. She's one of the most well-known actresses in the Philippines. My mom loves her, and I think she'd be really great for the role uh let me think of other things to be. i mean his... she's also in crazy rich Asians. <laughs> I, did, I, I purposely didn't mention that but I it's saw... the number one thing on her imdb it's the most recent thing she's done <laughs> okay it, it might have been she just has a cameo in that yeah yeah but... she's princess in time yes but uh she's in bromance my brother's romance as dr lang well let's put so with so ken watanabe being in inception that was her his first made uh, movie where he, he was English language for him, I think. That Is was, it really? I think so, yeah. That, that was a really big deal, if I remember correctly. And Chris Aquino's not in, you know, Hollywood films, but she is a really prolific actress in the Philippines, so it would kind of be a similar story, potentially. I mean, granted, she had a cameo in Crazy Rich Asians, but she was someone I thought of, but I was like, I don't know, well, I think I'll just keep that to myself, but... I, I think Chris Aquino. I agree with all of the words you're saying right now. <laughs> no, I'm 100% serious. Sam is on a IMDb, that's that's why. I mean, he's... Uh, she, the, the, she. I'm on Ken Watanabe. Oh, sorry, sorry. I don't have my glasses. Because uh, he, he was Rachel Ghoul in Batman Begins, and that was in 2005. Oh. It might be his first lead role, because do you remember who Rachel Ghoul is in Batman Begins? No. It's a dude who sits in a chair and doesn't talk. Oh, that doesn't count. Because then, taking guy. Liam Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson is the real Rachel Ghoul. Right. I think you're probably right. And you know what? All of the, everything you're saying about how it was kind of. Parallel. Yeah. And I think that that's a good reason to go with Chris Aquino. Yay. Can we go with Chris Aquino? Of course. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so excited. (laughs) What? What is that about? (laughs) I'm just. Again, this is not a competition. (laughs) No, no. I just like that I can remake Inception and have. Lots of people of color. That's yeah. what I'm excited about. That That's was what I always laugh. try to do about stuff like this. <laughs> That's why I have my evil laugh. So before we get back to our Cobb and our Mal, that leaves us with Yusuf and Miles, who's Cobb's dad, Mal's Who? dad. Who knows? Oh, I didn't even come up with Michael Caine. My my Miles <laughs> is specifically for who I have for Cobb, so that because oh. I was like, it's Cobb's dad. Here's someone who can be Cobb's dad. Okay. So they they kind of worked those two in Mm-mm-mm. tandem. But let's talk about Yusuf. Okay. Who uh, did you have? I have Darren Chris, who's fresh off an Emmy win. What did he win his Emmy for? Uh, his for, for American Crime Story for Versace. Is that what that's called? Was he? Because it's Darren Chris who was in Glee, right? Yes, yes, Got that's it. the same guy. All right, cool, good for him. Yeah. I've used him for things before. I, I think yeah. I think he's charismatic, and I think he's wonderful. I, you're definitely replacing a person of color with a white person. Are you comfortable with that? 
He's half Filipino. Is he? He is the first Filipino-American, yeah, to win an acting Emmy. He's the second really? for Asian of descent. Uh, Riz Ahmed was the first one, if I remember correctly. That's amazing. I know. Isn't that interesting? I also have Dev Patel, though, if you're like, oh. Well, that's just because you're friends with Meredith. <laughs> Dude, that's just, that's just a nod to Meredith Hackman in the Matrix episode, because she loves Dev Patel. I also love Dev yeah, yeah, he's great. I've got nothing against Dev yeah. Patel. He's no. come up in multiple episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, Patel's no, no. awesome. But, uh, that's but for specifically you, for you. <laughs> hey, Meredith. Uh... <laughs> she doesn't listen. She hates things. She hates fun. Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, I have Darren Chris. But yeah, surprise, surprise, he's half Filipino. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yep. That's why it was interesting that he got that role for American... Is it called American Crime Story? I don't or? know what he won for. I didn't watch the Emmys. I didn't know they were on until the next day. I didn't either. That's awful of me. But anyways, yeah, because that person in real life is actually half Filipino. So they actually correctly casted oh, that person. interesting. Yeah, that's why that was such a big like hubbub. Great. Yeah. Anyways, that's that. Who yeah. did you have? <laughs> Masioka from Heroes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I, I put that as one name and I was like, Masioka. Oh, Masi yeah. Space Oka. Yeah. Hi. What do you say? I said yes in Japanese. So ah, got it. Yes. <laughs> I went with Masioka because I don't remember the name of the actor who plays Yusef in the original movie. Philip Rao? Thank you. Mm-hmm. On the larger side, kind of comedic, but also serious, but is technically savvy and can kind of do a bunch of things. And But he lives in Malaysia and has a perfect English accent. Mm-hmm. So I'm that's like a little Hen- bit more authentic of an accent. <laughs> that's no, Henry Golding is more. <laughs> do you want him to be Yusef? He'd be a great Yusef. Henry Golding? Uh, no. What? No. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh, sorry. Okay, who, who, wait, let's get back on track. Uh, uh, let, let me get back on track. Sam's on track. <laughs> what are we, what are we doing? We're talking about Yusuf. Okay. And uh, I said Darren Chris, and you said Masioka. Masioka. And then you were going to add something, I, and then I cut you no, off. No, no, Well, because here's the thing. I don't know what Masioka has done recently. Didn't they do Heroes again? I don't <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Because he, I like him. He was in The Meg. Yeah. <laughs> like he's been in a bunch of different things kind of as like little characters here and oh, there he's been producing a lot I think that's what he's been up to but then I would see that oh I don't know <laughs> like, I'm trying to I'm sure he is and I'm sure he's doing great but he's so he's so full of joy mm-hmm. and he's a character that it would be tragic if he died yeah cause I didn't watch Heroes, but I would imagine yeah he has that vibe of oh no yeah, you're like <laughs> I want you to succeed I want you to be happy. I want things for you. Yeah, I'm I'm not opposed. I mean, I guess my only thought is he's the chemist. And then, oh, I mean, that's fine. We already have Kelly Marie. I was like, the smart people are Asian. That's true. But then Darren Chris is half Filipino, so who am I to say? I mean, say? we also have an uh, Asian person as the strong business person. That's true. I'm just putting all of my Asians in here. I'm helping. <laughs> no, you are. Two is... of those were mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, Sam, Sam is great. one and a half of those were mine. <laughs> I mean, I like Masioka, actually. I'm, I'm sad I didn't think of him. So let's put him down. I want him to come back and be in something other than Heroes because he's awesome. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Because, like, he's also in Searching for Sunny, which is weird. <laughs> so that leaves us with Cobb and Mal. So for this crew... Who do we pick? Let's let's take a look. We have I Zombie. We have guy. Rahul Kohli. Rahul Kohli and Henry, Henry Golding, Golding for Cobb. Right, and then for Mal Mal we have Constance Wu and I said Vanessa Kirby. Right, 
<laughs> we can have a crazy rich Asians reunion. And that's have... the pro- that's the thing. We can't have both of them. I know, I know. We I can know. have one or the other, but not both. Okay, so how about Rahul? Oh, gosh, what was Rahul Kohli? Rahul Kohli and Vanessa Kirby. So neither. Wait, is that neither? Oh wait, now I'm not. I've confused myself. Uh, Vanessa Kirby, K I R B Y, the Mission Impossible, but right. actually known for The Crown. And you're you're a big fan of her. I love her. Well, then let's go with her. Let's do Vanessa Kirby and Rachel Coley. Wait, who was your mom? Constance oh, Wu. Oh, right. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm perfectly happy to do Rahul Coley and Constance Wu. Yeah. Well, do we have white people in this? No. <laughs> we have... Uh, we have... Because I think we did a good job of having... Our only white team. person is our writer. Yeah, well, we can have the token white person. We can have our token white person be dead. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? <laughs> and so when I imagine my ideal wife, I imagine this blonde white lady. <laughs> Gosh. I'm kidding. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, we could have a white person. I don't think that would hurt anything. <laughs> <laughs> I love this podcast. Oh. <laughs> we can have a- <laughs> so yeah, let's go with, let's go with Rahul yeah. Kohli and Vanessa Kirby. Yeah, let's have, I want to have a white person in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. I'm very happy with this. <laughs> And then because of that, and because we went with um, the person I have for Cobb, let me tell you who I have for Cobb's dad, because that's who I thought oh, right, right, Arthur right, right. was. Uh, ben Kingsley. Oh. Stunt casting. Oh, oh, oh I see. Okay. Coley is of Indian descent. Ben Kingsley is of Indian descent. Great. Great. I'm, yeah, I don't just have any Have him in there for a couple of scenes. Sure, why not? Yeah. I'm, I'm just some of them go, yeah, no, don't fuck this up. Right. Here, here, uh, here, meet... Kelly Marie Tran, who's uh, my best student, who will actually be able to design mazes for you. Was the fact that mazes were involved at every point relevant in this movie? No, I cool. mean... <laughs> so, why is Ariadne there? I think she's just there to be the uh, the person, the, the innocent person who Cobb bounces ideas off of. And I think that's an important job. If she's a designer of the dreams, that's great. And I think that that's a, mm-hmm. a really cool idea. But I think if she's the designer of the dreams, that needs to be relevant. Because yeah. it literally never comes up, not once. I mean, I think they try to justify it by saying she makes she makes it a maze and then it's, oh, what is it? So Maul can't, what was it? Something, yeah, ah. it was something like that. But it was oh, also, it was, it was so that they could run from the projections. Right, there The projections couldn't <laughs> right, follow. Right, right, right. But okay. what I think would be more interesting is if Ariadne is the the toolkit, the the bag of holding, so to speak, the 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 Swiss Army knife of solutions to problems. Like she plans a Ooh. bunch of things out in advance of things to exist in the dream world that can't necessarily exist in the real world, and so she has the bag of tricks that people need. Like Ariadne, I need something to get rid of these guys. Great, and she like pulls something out and said, "Here you go." And it's I don't know, it's a wall made out of shields mm-hmm. and they're able to do that and it runs into the wall of shields and the shields fall down and then there's spikes for tires mm-hmm. or we're falling ariadne we need something to do she's it's great i got it and she throws something down ahead of them and it and it's a big it's a gigantic pillow made out of kittens <laughs> so they land they land in a pile of kittens and it's warm and soft and wonderful and you try really hard not to think about that if they, you can see the ones that they didn't land on the ones that they did land on is a problem but it's a dream so they're fine it's fine but like she could be the designer of the tools yeah she's like the team inventor yeah the reason why Cobb doesn't do that anymore 
is because he doesn't have as much imagination anymore because whenever he tries to imagine something new, he just imagines Mal. Mm. And so he has to be focused on the job ahead of them because right. if, if he lets his mind wander into creativity, he just drifts back to Vanessa Kirby. <laughs> yes. And I think it's important also you have to delegate tasks. You can't Absolutely. do everything. So uh, Kelly Marie Tran would be thinking of all those things. And I think she'd be good at that. She'd be excellent at it. And so that's why, so it's just occurring to me now, but I think that that should be her actual job in our remake. Mm-hmm. I like that. In the Sheena Sam Inception remake. Extraction. That, that's the sequel. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm so that's the, that's the sequel idea that oh, I came oh, up with. Excuse me. <laughs> uh, just as a side note, as a bonus for you listeners, <laughs> sequel to Inception, it's Extraction. Tune in to the Inception episode to hear what my brief talk of Great. We're doing great. We're doing it. Uh, but cool. So our cast is Cobb, Leonardo DiCaprio character played by Roku Coley. Arthur is Michelle Rodriguez. Ariadne is Count Marie Tran. Mal is Vanessa Kirby. Ames is Diego Luna. Saito is Chris Aquino. Yusef is Masi Oka. Robert Fisher is Don Cheadle. Nuts to Browning. Miles is Ben Kingsley. Our writer is Charlie Kaufman and it will be directed by Ava DuVernay. And that's Inception. What do you think? I would pay good money to see this. Yeah, I would watch this movie. <laughs> Just crazy batshit dreams all over the place. Ah, it's a literal dream. It's a dream come true. <laughs> uh, so, Sheena, tell me about some of the things that you do. Tell me about, wh- what would you like to promote? What other things do you want people to be aware of? Oh, sure. Yeah, so I'm Sheena Santa Maria. You can find me on Instagram and technically Twitter at... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Oh, your Twitter's going to get tagged for this because these posts go out on Twitter. But go ahead. <laughs> oh, man, I'm more an Instagram person. That's okay. You will also be tagged on Instagram. <laughs> so my handle is uh, Sheena E-S, S-H-E-E-N-A-E-S. I have a lot of sketches coming up. So if you follow me, you'll find out when those are coming out. Uh, the next three months, yeah, I'm going to be shooting a bunch of stuff. This episode's probably not going to go up for a month. Yeah, so totally... if you've got I... something like a month from now that you want to... Ooh, no, I don't have anything. I'm doing a lot of... I'm doing a lot of pre-production and production right now. Nice. Yeah. I mean, you can currently catch me in a Google commercial as a Cat Cafe customer. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So that's what I'm doing right now. I Angela must have been so jealous. <laughs> I don't think I told her about it, but... Oh, I bet she is. That's awesome. And cool. Anything else you want people to know about you? Um, maybe I should mention I'm an actor and a writer, so, you I, know. Re- I realized halfway through this episode that I didn't get that information up top, but... <laughs> All good. So, yeah, I'm an actor and a writer. I think people would have inferred that based off the, uh, yeah. shooting and sketches and... I normally <laughs> talk about this, like, during the, the mid, like, the every other episode, like, mini episode, like, mm. I know you from, uh, Sunday Sketch Series, where we were writing amazing sketches, and it was awesome and wonderful. Same place right. I know, uh, our guests from the Matrix episode, Meredith Hackman and and uh, <laughs> Laser Melina, because mm-hmm. I think she's going by Laser now and not mm-hmm. Angela. Perfect. And yeah, and you yeah. are very funny and an excellent writer and a wonderful performer. Oh, thank you. You too, Sam. If you want to find out more about the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram, where we are at Ideal Remake, because we got that OPIP. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you mentioned that. Oh, I just got real sad inside. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to find me on the internet, I am on Twitter at Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H. And I like mentioning this at the end of every episode for those of you who don't listen in order. And that one goes out to you, Sheena. (laughs) I know, Sam glared at me. I didn't glare. (laughs) 
I smirked. <laughs> okay, fine. And yeah, so that's that's Inception. We did it. Yeah, we did it. Boom. Boom.